Welcome to Where Will You Go, the FBC Tullahoma Missions podcast, where we ask our members and our listeners this simple question, where will you go as we seek to advance the gospel message of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God from here to the least reached peoples on planet Earth? Today in the pod, we have, drum roll, me, myself, and I. I'm going to try to clear up some questions for you, and I hope you'll stick around. All right, today in the pod, I have me, myself, and I. So there's no excuses for mishaps. There's no excuses for sidesteps, missteps, or upsets have no one to blame but myself. But today in the pod, I wanted to take a moment, and I've kind of hesitated to do this, but as questions continue to arise and opportunities continue to arise, I think it's good for me to just give this talk to anyone and everyone that might want to listen to the podcast. And this is a talk about what me and my family are endeavoring to do in the coming months and how and why we are transitioning out of pastoral ministry for the first time in 20 plus years. I'll be doing something besides pastoring a local church. And that's a moment for pause. But for the first time in more than 20 years, I'll be doing something besides pastoring a local church. And we will be taking a missions role with an organization called Reaching and Teaching, which you've heard from some of their missionaries on the podcast already and may hear from some in the near future. But we're taking a role with uh, reaching and teaching. There's been some question about where are you going to live. Some people think we're going to move to the other side of the globe. Some people think we're going to move to Europe. Some people think we're going to stay here and preach every other Sunday. I even heard that one. We're just going to stay here and we would preach every other Sunday, and every other Sunday would be gone somewhere. Uh, There's all kinds of questions going around. So I just thought there's a few Sunday school classes that have allowed me to come and share with them and some churches that are allowing me to come and share with them. And I just wanted to share with you a little bit of a condensed version of what I'm sharing with those classes and churches that are giving me opportunity to hopefully answer any questions that you may have about what on earth we are doing. So I want to start with looking at the mandate, the mission that Jesus has given us in the Scriptures. We have a mandate as the church of Jesus Christ. We have a mandate as believers. And I want us to start in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 14, where Jesus tells his disciples, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. It's like Jesus takes an hourglass and he turns it over and he begins to let the sand run through the hourglass. And the sand represents the nations hearing the gospel of the kingdom. And it's like what Jesus Jesus is saying, when the sands of the nations run through the gospel of the kingdom or the gospel of the kingdom runs through the sands of these nations and the hourglass runs out, the end is then going to Come. So this is Matthew 24, 14. Jesus gives us this mandate. He gives us this mission that the gospel of the kingdom must be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. And that word nations there in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 14 does not refer to nations as we think of nations today with geographical boundaries that are always shifting and changing. It's not so much geographical boundaries as and borders as it is people groups. The word is ethnos. So this gospel of the kingdom needs to be preached in the whole world as a testimony 
to all the ethnos, all the ethnicities, all of the peoples with similar customs, with common culture, literally people groups. And then when the gospel of the kingdom has been preached to all of the people groups, all the nations, the end will come. And we fast forward to Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, and we hear John say that after these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands, and they cry out with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Again, that word nation is used, and it is the same exact Greek word that Jesus used in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 14. John says, I see the throne surrounded by people, multitudes from every ethnos, from every nation, from every people group, every grouping of people with similar customs in the common culture. They surround the throne. And then to clarify, he adds all the tribes, all the peoples, all the tongues, every nation, every tribe, every people, every tongue will be represented at the throne. Matthew chapter 24, verse 14 has become a reality. The sins of the people group have run through the gospel of the kingdom. They've heard the gospel of the kingdom and time is no more. They're around the throne. Numbers from each ethnos are around the throne praising God. But, you know, something that has to happen between Matthew 24, 14 and Revelation 7, 9, and 10, if Revelation 7, 9, and 10 is to be a reality, because as we look around, we know that there are roughly 17,000-plus distinct people groups, ethnos, nations on planet Earth. Remember, we're not talking about geographical boundaries and borders, but distinct people groups, similar customs, common culture, 17,000-plus distinct people groups on planet Earth. Over 6,000 of them are still considered unreached, which means there are not enough Christians in their people group, in their ethnos, in their nation to reach their own people. There's just not enough Christians. There's not enough workers in the harvest to get the gospel to their people groups. They're still considered unreached, even though there may be some Christians there. So over 6,000 of the 17,000-plus people groups are unreached. Roughly 3,000 more are unreached and unengaged, which means there's no pastor, there's no missionary engaging that people group, that ethnos, that nation. They may all, they may live in the same geographical nation and within the borders of a nation that has reached people groups, but nobody's reaching their people group. They're unengaged. Most of these people are found in the 1040 window, and many of them are Muslim. So something has to happen between Matthew 24 and Revelation 7 because we are not there yet. Matthew 28 is what happens. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all, there's that word again, the nations, ethnos, not geographical boundaries and borders, but people with similar customs and a common culture, people groups. Go and make disciples of all the people groups. The core of the commission is to make disciples of all the nations, all the ethnos. The core of the Great Commission is not to make disciples of as many people as possible. That's a great goal. We should strive to make disciples of as many people as possible, but that's not the Great Commission. The Great Commission is not to make disciples of as many people as possible, but to make disciples of as many peoples 
as possible. We need to not just look at individuals who need to be discipled, but we need to look at people, groups, as the target of our discipleship. We have to get the gospel to all the peoples, all the nations, all the language groups of the world, and then the end will come. And every nation, tribe, and tongue will give glory to God for eternity, which is the ultimate goal of missions. So this is the mission mandate, is to get the gospel to all the nations, all the peoples, all the ethnos, and then the end will come. We know, we know, we know that this is going to be successful because we fast forward to Revelation 7, 9 and 10, and we see it a reality that people from every nation, tongue, and tribe are gathered around the throne worshiping. Right now, we're stuck smack dab in the middle of Matthew 28, 18 through 20, where we are supposed to be getting the gospel to those nations and fulfilling the Great Commission, which is beyond just reaching a lot of people, and it is getting to the peoples. That's our mandate, and this is our song that lets us know we're introducing the book of the month. You should have read this book. You should be aware of this book. If you're a member of First Baptist Church of Tullahoma, you have been approached by the ministerial staff or by someone with this book, Missions, How the Local Church Goes Global by Andy Johnson. Missions by Andy Johnson. You should have read it in a D group. You should have read it in a home group. You should have read it in a small group. You should have read it alone if you didn't have any of those opportunities. This is a good snapshot of how churches, not just individuals, but churches are being used of God, called of God, and commissioned of God to do missions. It's not just an individual work. It's a church work. And churches need practical wisdom to fulfill the Great Commission. And this book points to Scripture after Scripture after Scripture, offering practical steps for training and supporting missionaries, forming international partnerships, sending short-term teams, engaging the nations, both at home and abroad, a good, healthy view of missions for the local church. If you've not read Missions by Andy Johnson, I want to encourage you to get it. I want you to read it. Take it to heart. It's our book of the month. Well, I'm just sharing a little bit with you about our calling to transition in this missions role. And the, the mandate we've seen is to get the gospel message to all of the nations. Now, how do we do that? There's two primary ways that we do that. One, we can send missionaries, Western missionaries, into these unreached, unengaged people groups. We teach them a language. We teach them a culture that is unfamiliar. They find their way into that community through some shape, form, or fashion, and then they begin to try to meet people that are open to the gospel, share the gospel, years and years and years and years later, hopefully have a few disciples that can be the beginning of a church, and that's option one. And that's primarily the method of the International Mission Board um, that our Southern Baptist Convention supports. We take Western missionaries, we fund them to go into un, primarily unreached people groups, unreached, unengaged areas, and they learn a language, learn a culture, invest their, their lives in an area, and that is a necessary approach to missions. But and, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that approach to missions. It's been going on for years and years and years, and it should continue to go on for years. But there's another way to do missions as well that, that doesn't compete with option one. It doesn't compete with the International Mission Board's method of dropping Western missionaries into unreached, unengaged peoples. It doesn't compete, but it complements. And this is the option that we've looked into, and it is 
basically to help develop healthy indigenous churches. If you read Andy Johnson's book that we just talked about, The Great Commission is a church effort. There's goers, there's senders, and churches are, according to 1 Timothy 3.15, the pillar and support of the truth. It's the church that's the pillar and the support of the truth. So how can, as we think about how can we reach unreached people groups? How can we reach unreached, unengaged people groups in virtually every country, every geographical country, nation with borders in that context? There is a church, okay? Now, there are unreached peoples in those borders, there are unreached and unengaged peoples in those geographical boundaries that are maybe within driving distance or even earshot of churches. And if these churches are healthy churches, if these healthy, if these churches are biblical churches, then then those churches should be, can be engaging the unreached peoples in their nation, the unreached, unengaged people groups in their geographical boundary in the borders of their nation what what makes more sense for a western missionary to come and drop himself in the middle of this people group learn a language learn a culture try to find a way in or for a church to engage these people and not just any church but a church that knows the language a church that lives there a church that knows the culture a church that likely has natural ways to engage, what's what's a more effective method? Both methods are necessary, but wouldn't it be great if we had healthy indigenous churches that were engaging the unreached and unengaged in their area? It's the church that's a, the pillar and support of the truth, 1 Timothy 3.15. It's the church. So how do we get healthy churches? We get healthy churches by healthy leaders. In Titus chapter 1, Paul tells Titus that the reason he left him in Crete was it so that he could set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as he directed him. And the elders that he should appoint should meet the qualifications that Paul outlines for them in Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 9, all to do with character, all to do with spiritual maturity, all to do with spiritual health. If we're going to have a healthy indigenous church, we have to have healthy indigenous church leaders and how on earth can we get healthy church leaders in an area where there are no seminaries there are no bible colleges there's no opportunities most of these churches most of these leaders have to be underground they have to be hidden they have to be low-key how are they going to get this type of training i'll tell you what a lot of them do unfortunately a lot of them have a satellite on their home and they pipe in television preachers god help us all they pipe in television preachers who are flying around in their own private jets and living in their multi-million dollar homes and telling them that if they just have enough faith, God will take away all of their sickness, all of their sorrow, all of their pain, all of their poverty. He will make them healthy. He'll make them wealthy and he'll make them experience their best life now. And that doesn't work out in the 1040 window, but man, they hope it does. So they pipe in these guys from satellite dish and they are fed this garbage that then they could potentially feed their churches, which in turn takes their eyes off of the nations that bring glory to God and puts their eyes on themselves. And what can God do for me? And we have a mess all around the globe because of these guys. I feel myself getting in the flesh just a bit as I think about it. Or maybe it's righteous indignation. We'll go with righteous indignation. 
We desperately, desperately, desperately need in this region of the world to have biblically grounded, doctrinally sound, qualified, godly, healthy church leaders to go and to influence and lead and shepherd their churches to become godly, biblical, healthy churches that can engage the unreached and the unengaged in their midst. So how does what I'm doing fit into that? My ministry, my role is a reaching and teaching training facilitator for a closed region of the world. A reaching and teaching training facilitator for a closed region of the world. Let's start by answering what is reaching and teaching. If I'm a reaching and teaching training facilitator, what is reaching and teaching? Reaching and teaching is a rapidly growing Baptist mission organization. Um, it seeks to provide biblically sound, culturally appropriate training to indigenous pastors and leaders around the world so that they are well-equipped to lead healthy churches. It's just what I told you about a moment ago. They do that through full-time overseas missions. They do that through a stateside staff that leads short-term trips. You can learn more at rtim.org or just Google Reaching and Teaching, and you should find the website, rtim.org. What is a training facilitator? I'm reaching and teaching training facilitator. Training facilitators are stateside staff of reaching and teaching. That means that we live permanently. Our home base is in the U.S. We travel to our specific regions, and we work with indigenous pastors and like-minded missionaries to establish training centers throughout our regions. We complement International Mission Board missionaries. We complement missionaries from other organizations who are like-minded in their doctrine. Um, so we, we travel to our specific regions and work with indigenous pastors and like-minded missionaries to establish training centers throughout our regions. We teach nine courses over a three-year period of time. So there's three week-long intensives every year for three years. At the end of three years, the students, the pastors, the leaders have had nine basic seminary-style courses. They get a certificate to sh- that shows they've completed these courses And then on the state side, uh, training facilitators help equip U.S. pastors and church leaders to go and deliver the training. So we set up the training centers in our region working with indigenous pastors, leaders, and missionaries. We set up the training centers, and then we equip U.S. pastors and church leaders to go and help deliver the training over the three-year period of time. It's like the training facilitator is a middleman. That middleman holds the hand of the missionary on the field, the indigenous pastor on the field, and he holds the hand of the pastor in the states, and he brings them together to develop healthy biblical trainings for these indigenous leaders and pastors. So reaching and teaching training facilitator for a closed region of the world. One of the pluses in this closed region of the world is that God is really, really on the move, seeing many, many people come to faith, many churches started. And another plus is that there is a sharp divide between male and female. So females don't get a lot of the the training. They don't get a lot of the teaching. They don't get a lot of the, the information. So it opens a door for people like Mandy to be able to go with a team of women you know, periodically, and to teach women, not as pastors and leaders, but as pastors' wives, as women in the church, to teach them biblical doctrine, to teach them biblical truth. So this is not a just a role for me. This is a role 
for her as well. And in addition, wherever we land in the U.S. permanently, we want to ensure they have internationals, and we hope they have internationals that belong to the area of the world in which uh, we'll be working. And we wanted to work to try to see internationals here who are in the States come to faith. We long to have a local ministry among international students and internationals in our area and uh, hopefully see them come to faith. And I would love to teach the nine intensives to partner churches. If there's a church that would partner and say, we want to provide some of those trainings for these pastors and these indigenous leaders in this closed region of the world, then what I would love to do is to come into that church and teach the Sunday school teachers and the pastors and the leaders of that church the nine intensives over a three-year period of time so that they know the information. And if we're trying to produce healthy churches overseas, we want healthy churches here too. So we can teach here what we teach there. And I think that would be a plus here. So there's a lot of benefits to this ministry where we can engage the church here, we can engage internationals here, we can develop training centers in our region of the world, we can impact pastors, we can impact women, and hopefully we can see healthy leaders, healthy churches, and the gospel get to the ends of the earth. Now, how can you be a part of that? Number one, you can pray. You can pray. Uh, Prayer should never be underestimated. If you've not signed up for the newsletter yet, we would encourage you to do that. You can email me at ivy.kevin at fbctelahoma.org, your email address, and I will add you to the newsletter. That's ivy, ivy, ivy.kevin at fbctelahoma.org. Or you can call up here to the church office and give that email address to Brooke and we'll be glad to add you to that newsletter. Another way you can support is to give, obviously. We need monthly support. Um, if you would like to know how to give, you can ask that as well. We'll be glad to tell you. One-time gifts are helpful to get us off the ground and to get those startup expenses taken care of. And um, going. You could go and help teach. We would appreciate that. If you're interested in going and helping teach one of these courses, if you're a qualified pastor, leader in the church, and you would like to be trained to teach one of these courses and adopt one of these churches in this closed region of the world and go invest in an underground persecuted church or a church in a closed area of the world, that's a possibility. So you can pray for us. We would covet your prayers. You can give. We definitely need monthly support. In order to be able to get started in this ministry, you can give one-time gifts to help us uh, with startup expenses like moving expenses, technology expenses, um, training expenses that have to be spent, and travel expenses as we, as we seek to raise support, and you can even go. So be in prayer. Be in prayer for us and be in prayer about how God may want you to be a part of this work. That's that's the short on it. We have a mission to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. The way that it seems God has wired us to get that gospel message to the ends of the earth is by pouring ourselves into indigenous church leaders and pastors so that they can hopefully invest in their churches, lead their churches to a healthy place so that they can engage their own people, their own culture, their own language the people groups in their own nation, and we can see Christ glorified as more and more sands of the peoples run through that hourglass of the gospel, and we wait for him to come, and we may wait for him to return. Listen, if you have any questions for me, you need a clarification on anything, 
please, please, please don't hesitate to email. Don't hesitate to call. Don't hesitate to catch me by the arm and say, hey, I need you to tell me this. I need you to answer this for me. I need you to give me some guidance on this. Feel free to ask. We want to answer. And please lift us up to the Lord as you think about it in the days and the weeks and the months ahead. Thank you so much for joining me today in the pod for the Where Will You Go FBC Tullahoma Missions podcast. Pray for us. Pray for First Baptist. Pray for your leaders here. Pray for your pastors here. Download that Joshua Project app. Pick up the missions book by Andy Johnson. Check out the missions hallway and make sure that you tune back in next Monday for the Where Will You Go podcast. Until next time, God bless.